All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Can you see it? Did you notice? Checked, but the puck comes right to Pedersen, who tries a bank pass for Besser. In with a shot, he scores! Moments no. Oh, 
Hello Canucks fans and welcome back to another episode of the Canucks Conversation brought to you by the great folks at Parallel 49 Brewing Company. My name is David Guadrelli and joining me as always is Chris Faber. Chris, how are you doing my friend? I'm doing good man. We're in a good mood. Last night we had a late night uh, big Warzone win online. That was a lot of fun. Finally clutching up. And uh, we won. Yeah, we won. Let's go. That was great. I've been telling people like I'm not very good at the game. But if you get me into the final 10, we're probably getting a win because I just clutch up for some reason at that point. I got like the sweatiest hands and it just helps like roll through the triggers and the analog sticks and just hit your shots when I got that little bit of sweat going on. And it's the lemonade too. You know this. That, uh, lemonade, I need yes. Two quick shots of lemonade before a game and I'm just buzzing, ready to go. It's not even like a shot of anything alcoholic. I just need like that energy boost from a little bit of sugary lemonade. It gets me right in the zone. I actually just took about... 500 mils of lemonade right now I'm, I'm making it sound like a drug at this point but it's good stuff and it's been keeping me going here yeah we won't say where it's from because no free ads but i'm the complete opposite when it comes to that game like when we got to the final two like it was a 2v2 our teammate died <laughs> um and uh when we get to that final 2v2 i got my guy and then i know you had your guy there i was like oh if chris dies there's no <laughs> way we're winning this because i am the total opposite of clutch in that game like i'll get the kills early on like i rack up the kills like i'll usually get about like i'll usually get at least three in a match and then you know last night the one we won i think i got like seven or eight kills and that's that's a pretty good number for me but yeah, i get them early on and i'm like sniping and i'm doing all that good stuff but then at the end no man, like we're 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 complete opposites. We play to each other's <laughs> strengths for sure because I definitely couldn't clutch up like you did and get that win. But we'll stop talking about Warzone now, I guess. But let's get into some hockey talk. The big news of the week. BC potentially being a hub city slash province because they're talking about putting these players in Cranbrook, Prince George, Kelowna, um all these other places where there's WHL facilities. And I mean yeah, like, it's making sense, and the Premier has reached out to Gary Bettman, and they've talked, they've conversed on it, and I'm thinking, like, if there's anywhere that it's going to be, it's probably going to be here. Like, Vancouver's probably going to be a hub city, and now they're talking about the whole league coming here and being in the whole province, so, I mean, it begs the question, like... What are the logistics of this going to look like? Because Jeff Patterson just tweeted out that NHL Dallas Stars owner Tom Gillardi, who also owns the Kamloops Blazers, doesn't yep. think there's any merit to John Horgan's plan to play NHL games in WHL centers around BC. So that's coming from somebody who has stakes in both of these organizations. Like, he owns both of these organizations and he doesn't think it's going to happen. So, I mean, what are the logistics of this going to look like, do you think? Yeah, it's... You know, it's a little out of my realm to talk about this too much, but I'll give my my opinion on it at least. I think that it's it's obviously a good idea if you want to get the NHL going back up. You're going to need some hub cities, I think, to kind of make it the first step of getting back to normality, right? But Vancouver's done an incredible job. Vancouver has the facilities. Vancouver has the rinks. They have the hotels. They have, you know, a pretty good track record over the past month or so of kind of flattening the curve. And... Uh, like honestly I would just listen to Bonnie Henry at this point she's a rock star she's a queen like whatever she says if she's down for it I'm down for it uh but like I mentioned it's a little bit out of my jurisdiction to talk about this too much but like if Bonnie's down with it I'm 100% down with it because it's you know it's it would be great to get hockey going back up I know that you've been talking about how excited you are about the Bundesliga I had to cut you and sat off on that episode (laughs) because you guys were just going to go off about that for half the show but um you know with, with sports starting to start up again 
Uh, I think it's going to be a good idea to to get one of these hub cities. And, like, Vancouver does make a lot of sense. We've done a pretty good job uh, of battling against this COVID together and, and, you know, following precautions that were set up to us by the Queen, uh, Bonnie Henry. And I, I think that it's, you know, it's, it's still too bad. Cause it's like, oh, yes, Vancouver is getting to host all of these NHL games. We can't go to those games. You know, we can't go and, like, interact with players. You're not going to be able to have media availability, any of this kind of stuff. But... Um, in the end, it would be a step towards getting hockey back, and that's a good step for me in the end. We've got to put that on a t-shirt, no? If Bonnie's down with it, I'm down with it. Like, yeah. just on a straight t-shirt, and we just, like, we could wear those everywhere we go, right? Like, yeah, you go to a be club, good. You're, you're broadcasting that if Bonnie's down with it, I'm down with it. You know what I that's mean? That's like, pretty good. <laughs> post-pandemic, if Bonnie's down with it, I'm down with it. Those are words to live by, Mr. Faber. That was a that's... good quote right there. Jeez. <laughs> that is good. I think it would be good for my uh, wardrobe as well instead of me wearing Canucks Conversation shirts five out of seven days of the week. Well, what if it said Canucks Conversation on the front with the logo, and then on the back it just had a picture of Bonnie Henry, and then it said, if Bonnie's down with it, I'm down with it. It's like the In Judd We Trust shirts that you had going. Those were awesome. Yeah, absolutely. I've been wearing those a lot lately, actually. But, uh, yeah, I'm down to put Bonnie Henry anywhere on a Canucks combo shirt. She could be, you know, maybe we'll replace the old logo and put her face on one of those three faces. That would be a lot of fun, too. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I mean, speaking of Judd Brackett, there's not much. Well, what's your take on the report. Hub City, man? Like, what do you think about Vancouver yeah. being Hub City? Like, where's the step towards the right direction? Like, what do you think about it? Well, here's the thing. Like, I'm I'm of the mindset that, you know, we have a lot of friends in the media, and I know a lot of them are preparing to go to the rinks and be in the press box. But, man, like, if you're not part of the broadcast crew, like, are they really going to let you in? Is I, I mean, how tight of a ship are they going to run here, right? Because, obviously, the GMs are going to be there. Like, the owner's obviously going to be there. But is the media going to be allowed in there? Like, at what point? Because, you know, we've we've been in these Zoom calls with players. So is post-game availability going to be done over Zoom? Like, how how is this going to work, right? Because I, I, I don't see them piling us into... And I say us, I'm not going to be there. But I'm, I don't see them piling the media into the uh, media room for the, the podium talks. How they did yeah. it before the pandemic, like, really took everything out. Once they got rid of the uh, scrums in the locker room, like... I, I can't see that happening because that media room is a pretty close quartered room. Like, yes, you could distance, but not if you have a bunch of film crews, a bunch of audio guys, the guy who does the boom mic, and not if you have all these reporters as well. I, I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I I mean, you know, I don't want to rattle, rattle off a bunch of names, but I'm going to. I think the people who would be there is probably Sportsnet, Cian McIntyre, who has the rights, right? Like, Sportsnet has the rights to all these games on the broadcast. Murph is probably going to be there because he's, again, part of the broadcast. John and John, you know, are going to be there. Yeah. Again, because they're part of the broadcast. But, you know, like, guys that are, like, friends with us, like, is PJ going to be allowed in there? Is Drance going to be allowed in there? Like... Who knows? Because I I don't know if they're going to let media in. Like, again, there's no plan in place yet. But I'm thinking, like, with this Hub City stuff, you're going to have... Think of how many reporters from each city there are, right? Are are beat reporters from Edmonton really going to travel to Vancouver to cover the Oilers? Who, again, like, might be playing at Rogers Arena, might be playing in Cranbrook. Like, who knows what's going to happen here? I'm just... I'm thinking about the logistics of it. And again, like, I don't know if all of the media is going to be allowed in. Like, the regular media guys that are in there. Like, are the radio guys going to be allowed in there? Like, again, they, like, Sat and Walker, they do the intermission panels. They do the um, 
the pregame on 650. And again, like obviously Batch and Hirsch are going to be there. But again, like the guys who are just going to be writing like the armies and game recaps in general, like are they going to be allowed in there? That it's a serious question. Like if you can do the media availability from home, which I'm thinking they're going to do because it's going to be over Zoom. Is there going to be a reason for you to be at the arena? Like, I obviously know it's much, much better to be at the arena when you're writing about a game, 100%. But again, these are unprecedented times. So, again, like, I don't know. And I really hope because, you know, the content that Drance and all those guys at The Athletic put out this year, you know, the armies, they talk about it. It's like a collaborative effort. And they did a great job. And I'd hate to see that kind of be make make their jobs harder like i'm sure their quality of work is going to be the same great stuff but again like again it's going to be much harder for everybody and not just the guys at the athletic but in general it's going to be much harder for everybody if this is the case and everybody has to stay home on their couch and watch the game because you don't you just don't pick up on the same things like you know what you've been to games live and anybody who's been to a live game knows this you don't pick up on the same stuff Maybe you'll pick up on more of what's being said because of the hot mics on the ice in the uh, very quiet arena. But again, like, who knows? Like, these are unprecedented times. Yeah, I think that, you know, there's, there's I think that watching what the other leagues are going to do is going to be a huge tell for this, right? I think what we're going to see with the Bundesliga coming back, what we've seen with the Taiwanese baseball coming back, like, I think those are going to give examples of how it could possibly work. But you bring up a good point from, like, you know, does the play-by-play guys from Edmonton come over and stay in Vancouver as well? Like, does that whole broadcast with the Sportsnet crew from Edmonton come over here and stay there? Does the Calgary Flames? Because then it's a lot more people totally. than you would just think of having almost from, like, a regular media standpoint. Even if it's just the rights holders. Like, if it's the guys from the Edmonton Papers and the guys from the Edmonton Athletic and the guys from Edmonton Sportsnet and TSN. Like, that's a lot of people to have in one spot for just a game. And, and the way that they're going to have to play that out is... Is like, is it only just one reporter per team? Like, are we just going to have Dan Murphy be that one reporter who's asking questions? Like, I know that the Zoom calls are probably going to way they're going to do this, but they are going to have to have certain people at the games. And I just wonder how that works. I'm going to guess that it would report back to kind of the rights holders. We get the options for that. Um, and so I'm sure that. Batch. Yeah, it'd be Batch. It would be, you know, I think Dan Murphy would still be doing his reporting on Rinkside, which, by the way, like, you know, a funny twist here, but seeing Murph, like, do his, like, side row the rink reporting with no uh no fans in the crowd like that i feel like he's he's gonna have some fun with that like he can go off and wherever he wants in rogers arena now and just be like hanging out in the randomest spots uh oh which God. might be kind of fun and i know that they'd have some fun with that with him and uh and the and the johns obviously i think that would be a lot of fun but you know the step is getting it back if vancouver is a good option for the hub city that's the question um it seems like it is like it seems like a good a good answer to to semi kind of answer this problem that we're going on with right now but at the same time like you know I'm still I'm still concerned because I think I keep thinking of it from the Bo Horvat Bo Horvat uh standpoint of like he's about to have a kid they're about to take him away from his family and I know that Chris Tano said like he's totally fine with it in one of the zoom calls but a lot of these players are probably going to struggle to go away from their families for you know if, if we're talking about a full playoff run like we're looking at like almost two months Right of being away from them during this crazy quarantine time where their families, you know, like having them around, and you're just taking them and putting them away in another city. I still like. I don't like that idea a lot. I just don't think from like the human aspect, it's a great thing to do to somebody. I I want sports back more than anybody, but if if it's affecting what's going on in your family life, I 
you know, you got to feel for the players at a certain point, you know, and the players want to play. We've heard that a lot lately. I know Mitch Marner was recently on his Twitch stream, whatever he's been doing, and he was kind of talking about it. And that was one of the more honest answers I've heard from a player throughout the year because he mentioned that, you know, the players are going to lose a ton of money if they don't come back and play the rest of this year. And I think, you know, Mitch Marner wasn't afraid to say that. And I think a lot of players are kind of afraid to say that. But in the back of their heads, if there is a if there is a mix up with this contract with the television rights, there's a lot of players that are, you know, worrying about that big amount of money coming back to them and possibly more money in the future. Maybe it is worth the sacrifice for a lot of players to go away from their families for two months. But in the end, like as a human, looking at another human being put into that situation, I don't really like it. But I want to see hockey back so bad. So it's such a it's such like a debate going on through my mind between like being morally right and wanting to see hockey like there's a huge battle going on in my head throughout this over the past like month or so kind of when we first started having these discussions yeah i mean again like it's such unprecedented times and really like nobody knows what's gonna happen and it's crazy that we're even talking about this like who would have thought like three months ago we were just sitting at bcit ordering pizza going to pasta amore before each show a crowded restaurant and then we go right to the studio like those were simpler times man like i miss the days when we could actually like you know like i haven't seen you in person in like probably like two months i know you stopped by my house uh and dropped off or picked up some hockey cards and i but again like you didn't come in or anything and like I don't know, it's just weird not being able to do the podcast together. I think we've done a good job, but again, like, it's just, this sucks. Like, these times just suck I was just thinking about it today. I was like, like, do you remember, like, Christmas time, you're seeing your family and your friends, and everybody's coming together for gatherings and stuff? Like, you really, you really miss that kind of thing, especially now that, like, summer's happening, and, you know, those gatherings that you do at Christmas time where you're in the house and eating good food... You know, that's the same, it's like the opposite of summertime, right? You're gathering with your friends, you're going to the river, you're going to the lake, you're going to the ocean, the beaches, and you're gathering with all your friends, you get to see everyone, normally everyone's work schedule's a little bit lighter in the summertime, and the weather's better, like, we're completely missing out on that, and it's just too bad, because like you said, like, a simpler time, and you call it a simpler time, but like, it was such a better time, too, like, it was, it was a lot, uh, there was a lot to look forward to for a lot of people in the summer here. And it's been a, it's just been a huge bummer through and through. Uh, but you know what? Like we're starting to see some positives come out of it. Uh, phase two is just around the corner for us British Columbians. And I'm just excited to get to that point. Another bummer. Judd Brack is probably leaving the Canucks. Yeah. Satyar Shah joined us yesterday on the Patreon to talk about it. He doesn't see this relationship being one that can be mended. He thinks that Judd Brackett is going to be gone really who knows when but he thinks this this relationship is fractured and you know you can't really blame sat for having that opinion like i think he's dead on with that yeah it's um it's gonna be hard to come back from you know we we heard from sven berti this week a little bit about him not wanting to come back with the vancouver canucks he publicly said it and the judd bracket stuff just makes you wonder where all this news and stuff and and was actually coming out whether it be the start of january you know when some first things started to get leaked from patrick johnson was finding out a lot of information reported on it in february as well like judd brackett is a guy that's so valuable and we touched on it a lot in the conversation with sat like when they're working together they're a great team right and i like having a good team in my organization's front office if they're going to take part of that team away it's just it's unfortunate for the whole organization um, and if they're gonna, you know, if, if it ends up turning out that it was the Vancouver Canucks and it was Jim Benning and John Wisebrod and, and company over there that was kind of taking away some of his, 
his strength, like his, some of his pull at the draft. And if that's some of the rumors that we see out there are true, that's, that's horrible. Like that is absolutely horrible. I know that it's, you know, it's something that I've given my opinion on that in the past that maybe that is what's happening. Right. And that's something that we've heard a little bit of rumors out in the past little bit here. But if we ever find out that that is actually the reason why we lost Jared Brackett is because they were taking away power from him. That is, that's ridiculous. That's a horrible thing to do for a guy who's director of your scouting. I mean, you know, I, I heard Craig Button last week on Rinkwad, uh, and he does. By the way, we're, we're gonna get we got to get Craig on the show here again because he was money the one time he did come on the show, and I'll uh, have to send out an email his way because he's just like the best radio hit. And the way that he talked about it was like the scouting staff would come to him, like the director of scouting would come to Craig, and he says like, "Okay, hey, our first round pick. Here are our three options." Who do you think we should pick? And Craig said it the best. He was like, I'm the GM. I'm worrying about generally managing this team. You guys are directors. You're the director of scouting. You guys are worried about scouting. I don't want to make the decision for you. You guys are the ones who have been scouting these players all year long. Don't give me three. Give me the one best one and then let me make a decision on that guy. And I think that's what the Vancouver Canucks should be worried about more. And I just think that kind of mentality, you know, hearing a, a former general manager and Craig Button talked about it was something that should be happening. And if it's not happening, that's the problem. That's that's the problem right there with the Canucks management if that's what's going on. And you know, it's tough because Wisebrod has a little bit of a scouting background. Jim Benning clearly has a scouting background. So maybe they want to play to their strengths a little bit. But like I said earlier, like he's the general manager. He's generally managing this Canucks team. And Judd Brackett is the director of scouting. He's directing the scouting of this team. It's as simple as that. I would leave a lot of the scouting up to him because he's done a great job in the past of doing it. And I know it's a team approach, and I know that it's worried about a lot of different scouts in this organization. But look at how many scouts have left the Vancouver Canucks in the past couple of years as well. It's not like, you know, this team has been something that it's so relied upon because it's a lot of moving parts. But at the end, like, you got to have a guy at the top who you can really trust. And it seems like Judd Brackett is that guy for the Canucks. Again, we've talked about this before. The general manager has a lot of jobs to do, and Jim Benning especially is going to be one of the busiest general managers this offseason, whenever the hell that is. Like, Jim yeah. Benning's got so much on his plate. Like, he's got to re-sign Markstrom into Foley. He's got to fix that blue line. He's got to figure out how he's going to come out and tell fans that they've chose to walk away from Nikita Triampkin because he sucks. Like, he's got to <laughs> figure out how he's going to say that without hurting all these mouth-breathing fans' feelings. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. No. And- oh, I know. <laughs> That was a joke, by the way, but a lot of you on Twitter are just, like, ruining me. I'm reading these tweets, and literally, I, like, read a tweet the other day, and I I sent it to you. Um, And the guy was, like, in response to Harmon's uh, fixing the blue line piece, targets, targets that the Canucks could go after to get the blue line fixed. Somebody goes, there's no need to fix the blue line. We've got Rafferty. And we've got Triampkin. Boom. Problem solved. Tanev and Stetcher walk. We've got those two guys. There you go. What? What are you talking about? Like, what are you talking... First of all, I'm sure he's never watched a game of Rafferty in his life. He's just read about him, which is great because you wrote about him and you did a great job kind of talking about how Rafferty can step into that third pairing role. But does that mean Nikita Triamkin's in your top four? Because Brogan Rafferty's much better, much better than Nikita Triampkin. He costs less. I oh man, I'm not I'm not gonna start getting into Triampkin. But no, I always again, know that it's gonna be about Triampkin because I get a text from you and it's in all caps and it's just like what the bleep or something like that. And I, just, I know I just, I just know right off the bat I'm like oh Quads has been oh, talking about Triampkin on Twitter again. I can't believe it. It's just like you know and you know what 
it, it makes sense because these people haven't watched him play since 2016-17 when he was an okay defenseman on a very bad team, but he showed a lot of upside. Like, people were hoping that he could turn into something, myself included. He was mobile. Well, he could skate well in a straight line. But again, like, he was a good defenseman. It looked like he could be good. That ship has sailed. If you want to know what Triumphkin looks like now, just reach out to some people who have actually watched every shift that he's played this season and the season's past in the KHL. I think for every one person that'll tell you that he's an okay defenseman, there will be five lined up right behind him to tell you that he is not NHL level at all. Like, at all. And we've You know the problem to is, people. too, with a lot of that is is seeing... And this, you know, I think a lot of people are guilty of this. I'm guilty of this a lot. If if Olia Levy makes a great play, I'm I know that I need to have that gif out immediately, right? Like as soon as I see Levy make a great breakout pass that leads to a goal, or he scores a goal, I I just I'm aware that like on Twitter I need to get that content out asap. And I think when you see Tryan can do anything on the ice, you need to get that clip out there. And you know what? Think about how many clips we saw of Nikita Tryan and the people that <laughs> oh were actually God. watching him. I was watching a lot of Triankin. I had my screen recorder going every single game because I'm just waiting for him to score a goal, make a nice play, have a big hit, <laughs> do something, drop the gloves, fight someone, just do anything on the ice. Because I was like, man, if I can, if I can be the first person to tweet out this video or this GIF, it's gonna blow up. It's you know, people are gonna love to see Triankin do something good. I watched a decent amount of Triankin this year. I watched. Probably a quarter of his games from start to finish. I remember waking up at 5.30 in the morning so I could watch those 6 and 6.30 starts. And I did not get one clip in the games that I watched where I could tweet out. Maybe one. Like, I'd have to look back and search my name with Triamkin in it. But I just, yeah, like, nothing stuck out. Nothing was there for that, like, clickbait video to make you think that Triamkin's doing great. And I'm, I'm looking back right now at, um, I'm doing a, some some work on Olia Levy. Uh, and I'm looking back at a lot of the video from him and, you know, game to game, comparing it to what I just did with Brogan Rafferty, like Brogan Rafferty had games where, you know, he, I was looking for mistakes. Like I was like, okay, find me some mistakes, find me him giving up, you know, the puck in around his net or not being able to clear it out. And there was a couple times where he couldn't get the puck out for sure. But like bad giveaways, there was just none. Like it was so hard for me to find. I watched so many games of Rafferty looking for just like a horrible giveaway. And I was like, okay, like it's, you know, it's hard to write about this part of his defensive game as a knock. And he even said it in the interview. But the one that I'm working on right now is Ole Levy. And man, let me just tell you, like I, I definitely have a section in this article for the, the bad plays that Ole Levy made this year. Because his defensive game is nowhere near as close to what Brogan Rafferty's is. So people that look at Rafferty and say that his defensive game is lacking, they need to watch more of Yolevi then too. Because a lot of those people that are saying he's lacking are, are in Yolevi's camp. And don't get me wrong, like there's still a lot of promise. I'm getting a lot of good clips from Yolevi because like the stuff I'm trying to include in these articles is stuff that isn't the ones that you see on the highlights from the Utica Comets Twitter account or from my Twitter account or, or Cody's Twitter account or Corey tweeting out. Like, I want to include the stuff that you aren't going to see, like, uh, be showcased, I think, too much and include those in the clips. But there's, man, like, I already have a lot of clips of Yolevi giving up pizzas in the back end. It's it's not great. Oh, man. Again, like, that's another name that our friend J.D. Burke, he refers to them as the mouth-breathing fans. Those are the ones <laughs> like, that are putting Yolevi in their top four for next year. Like, watch a game at least. Watch one game before you start throwing out these names that you There's think... There's free can... AHL games all year, all season long. Every two weeks they do a free AHL game and the comments are in a lot of them. Yeah, and these people obviously haven't watched any of it. And, like, you know, 
I didn't watch it before until I met you, and then I was showing up at BCAT, and you would just have the games on, and I'm like, all right, I guess we're watching Comets games. I'm going to <laughs> learn what I'm talking about when it comes to the AHL, and I still don't, but I know enough because I've talked to people who do. That's yeah. the thing. Just reach out to people who know more than you. Like, Don't throw out these line combinations and talk like you're the main authority on everything if you haven't talked to people who actually know what they're talking about. Like, where is this coming from? Where are these ideas well, that you have that your levy can be in the top four coming from? I don't yeah. get it. I think what people need to do is gather information from the right source. And if you're gathering, you know, if, if you're gathering information to give your own opinion, that's it. That's fine. Right? Like if you're actually going to, to read multiple articles about your levy and you're going to, you know, watch video and see clips and these articles now every single day, they all include video and clip and stuff that you can see, you know, Harmon, I don't think anybody does a better job than Harmon of explaining a clip. Like I've been trying to do that a little bit more with my writing and I tried doing it with the broken Rafferty piece. And then like, I go and look at one of Harmon's articles. He just like perfectly explains the video that like what he means, what the point that he's trying to get at. Um, And I think that, you know, if you're making opinions off of that, great. But if you're making opinions off of the Canucks drafted him fifth overall, he's going to be something, then you're forming the wrong opinions, right? Or if you're making opinions about Nikita Triamkin because he had a year in Vancouver with one of the worst defense, worst defense cores that we've seen over the past, you know, 20 years in Vancouver, and you're saying that that's going to be the guy that's going to come and save this defense core, like, you know, gather your opinions for the right slot. But I think a lot of people form opinions from very strange sources, and I, I don't think that's ever going to change. And I think that's what makes Canucks Twitter so fun at the same time, though. Okay, that's enough triumph and talk for now. Let's well, we're talking about defense break. after this too, right? I think we're gonna yep. we're gonna get into the defense a little bit. Cool. Hell yeah. And you know what name we're not going to talk about is Triampkin when we do that on the other side of the break. So here are some messages from our friends at Parallel 49 Brewing, Zephyr Epic, and Manscaped. That Manscaped ad is something else. So on the other side of the break, you'll catch us talking about the defense. Keep it locked and loaded on Canucks Conversation. All right, folks, I just want to give a quick shout out to the presenting sponsor of the Canucks Conversation, Parallel 49 Brewing. Do you know what goes good with long weekends? Beer. Do you know what goes good with beer? More beer. And Parallel 49 has figured that out. As they just released our Craft Lager 49 Monster Pack. That's right, 49 beers in one pack. Uh, so the Craft Lager, obviously a, a favorite of Parallel 49. You guys know them from the black cans. They're putting together a full 49 pack. So if a long weekend is is in need of some beer, uh, you don't have to look much further than Parallel 49. You guys can pick them up in East Van at their location on Triumph Street or check them out on Twitter and Instagram at Parallel49Beer. That's Parallel written out and then 49 as in the numbers and then beer. Parallel49Beer. Zephyr Epic is Canada's source for trading card games and sports cards. They ship free anywhere in Canada on orders over $50 before taxes. And Canucks Conversation podcast listeners can save $5 off their order with promo code CanucksConvo. That's all one word, promo code CanucksConvo. You can shop online or at their retail store located in Surrey. Once again, that was Zephyr Epic. You can follow them on social media to be part of monthly contests and ticket giveaways. Search Z-E-P-H-Y-R Epic on all platforms. Fellas, Manscaped is here to make sure your balls are smooth while you or your partner are playing with them. 
Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving your balls thanks to their Lawnmower 3.0 with cutting-edge ceramic blades to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick-free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin-safe technology. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. You'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Yes, you heard that right get 20% off and free shipping with promo code canucks convo at manscaped.com that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with promo code canucks convo make playing with your balls the best part of your day thanks manscaped and a huge thank you to our sponsors that was uh that manscaped ad every time i hear it man it is something else i'm kind of totally... jealous that uh that danny green went out and recorded a, a pretty good video with those tennis balls did you happen to see that I did. Danny Green did a fantastic, fantastic job. With yeah, that he video. did, and it pissed me off because I'm working on making a video myself, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. But like, shit, did Danny Brown or Danny Green beat it to me at this point? So I'm not happy with that. I think uh, I think more people are going to use Danny Green's promo code than the Canucks convo promo code. Pains me to so. say it, but I'm pretty sure he's going to outsell us. In the end, I'm pretty happy with the Manscaped package that we got sent to us. I am going to use some of the stuff in here for sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, we get a free product out of it, so who cares? Send, for us. send us free product <laughs> and we'll we'll do an ad. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Anyways, let's get back to the podcast, Chris. We've actually get, said that we would talk about the defense prospects of this organization. Starting with Jack Rathbone at the top, what did you see from him this year? I know you didn't watch a ton of him, but you watched more of him than I did. What did you see from him this year? Well, Jack Rathbone did a lot of the stuff that I wanted Ole Levy to do this year. I mean, Jack Rathbone could pass. He can shoot. Um, he's an excellent player at the NCAA level with Harvard. Harvard, And um, I- I'm excited for him. And I think that there's a reason that he's up there at number three. I'm going to trust that, you know, Drance and Harmon, who wrote that article for The Athletic and had him ranked as the third top prospect, They've talked to a lot of scouts, and I know they've heard a lot of positive things out of him. He was obviously great at the Beanpot this past year. Um, and yeah, like the, I think the Canucks have, have a good player in Rathbone. I'm excited to see what he can do. I think when you look at all the defense, the players that they have, like Olia Levy's talk about being a top four guy might not be there as much anymore. I think he I think he still has the possibility of getting there if he's somehow just able to, you know, his body have a full recovery and just be able to be at 100% moving forward, which is, you know, unlikely, but it's still possible for sure. But I think Rathbone right now does have the highest upside, and I think he's playing great hockey right now at the NCAA level. He was over a point per game last year, which is a great showing from a defenseman. And I'm wondering what he does next year or, you know, if he if he wants to sign here in, in the future because I think that's the only question uh, with Rathbone because I don't think with with Alex Edler's contract expiring after next year there's going to be an opening on the left side obviously Quinn Hughes is going to be there for hopefully forever I mentioned it the other day on Twitter that they should bring back 20-year contracts because I'd be down to sign one with Hughes Uh, but on the left side like aside from aside from Quinn Hughes you know two years from now who's going to be on that left side maybe it is Jack Rathbone yeah, like, I, a thing that I want to bring up about Rathbone is what J.D. Burke was talking about yesterday on Twitter, and that was that Rathbone has a really good relationship, had a really good relationship, J.D. doesn't know if it's skewed, uh, from what he picked up, he thinks that Rathbone really likes the Canucks organization, and the Canucks organization really likes him. Again, this was a Judd Brackett pick, this was a late round pick that the Canucks made, and it looks like it was a bit of a steal, again, so, I mean... 
does the whole Judd Brackett situation kind of skew that relationship that he has with the organization? Like, that's what people are wondering again, but he has the option to potentially sign elsewhere. The thing is, JD doesn't think that's going to happen from what he's seen. Like, he's not saying that a prospect owes anything in, to the organization that drafted him. In fact, he's saying the quite, quite the opposite. But he is saying that he feels that from what he picked up in their conversations that he's had with Jack Rathbone, that the organization and Rathbone have a really good relationship. So again, is that skewed with the whole Judd Brackett situation? Who knows? I hope that the Canucks sign him. I hope that he comes here and is in the Canucks defense corps for a long time. Because again, like, like you just said, aside from Quinn Hughes, who's the next guy up? There's really nobody. Yeah. And, like, Rathbone is probably the guy that I need to invest the next little bit of time into. Uh, obviously, I just mentioned earlier that I'm doing a lot of stuff on Ole Levy right now. You know, I've seen a ton of Jet Wu. I've obviously seen a ton of Brogan Rafferty. All these guys at the AHL level. Seen a ton of Breeze Boss, Sautner, all these guys. But Rathbone's kind of the one that, um, that you know, I haven't had the opportunity to talk to yet. Um, you know, because he's at Harvard, like good luck dealing with Harvard PR, by the way, if anybody is going to try and do that, it's absolutely impossible. Uh, I've tried multiple times, nothing from Harvard. Um, but you know, I think with him, it's, it's exciting to see him producing at such a high level and taking steps every year, right? Like he's, he's gotten better throughout his NCAA career. Harvard guys tend to stay there for their full career, right? they like to do the four year stint at Harvard, I wonder next year what happens because I think that the Canucks would like to get him into the lineup and that's going to depend on what the NCAA does next year. I mean, we're hearing a lot of talks and whispers about there not being NCAA sports next year, especially the the lower class ones, right? Like obviously we know what NCAA basketball and NCAA football are. They're absolutely massive, right? Like people will tune in on TV to watch that. I don't know if they're pulling the same crowds in NCAA hockey. So if NCAA hockey needs to be canceled, that's going to be a tough look. And I wonder what that does to the situation with Rathbone. You know, is there going to be an AHL season next year? Is that where a better spot for him is? Or does he just want to return to go to Harvard? Um, you know, he's a tough guy to crack, and, and he's the guy that I, I got to do more research on because I do lack uh, a little bit of information. I'm just going off of what other people have said about him. I've seen, you know, I've seen games of him, and I've obviously seen a ton of clips of him, but I just, I just don't know too much about the player. I just know that his game, like, I know that his passing is great. Uh, he has good vision on the ice and he can move the puck, like whether he's passing it or skating it up, he can do both those things at the NCAA level, but a lot of defensemen can, right? And I think that I, w- I just, I need to see more uh, of him and I just, I haven't. So I got to go out and watch a lot of Rathbone over the next couple of weeks here. Who's the next guy on your list, Chris? Number two? Yep. Uh, I would say Brogan Rafferty uh, is number two on mine. Uh, I know that he's not there on the um, on the athletic. Uh, I know that they have, I think, Jet Wu, right? Jet Wu's the second highest they have? I think so. I think you're right. I would have Rafferty ahead. I know that Rafferty's older, but Rafferty is so damn close to jumping into the NHL. He, sh- he should have got an opportunity last year. He will be here next year. Um, and I think that his upside is a guy who plays... You know, can can be a guy who's a four, five, six on your defense core, and he can give you something on the power play. So I mentioned it uh, in the article uh, that I'm working on right now for Canucks Army. Actually, it's going to come out of projecting the roster. You know, if Tyler Myers were to go down, I think that Rafferty could hop right up into that spot and be your guy in the second power play unit. I think Rafferty jumps over Stetcher, he jumps over Edler, and I think he would run the power play better than both those guys. Wow, that's a hot take. I like it. But again, like that's something we've talked about is. His body of work at the NHL level is really preseason this year, and then those games he played, the two games he played with Quinn Hughes last year, the year before that. Like, 
that's all we've seen from him. But again, anytime we've seen him, he's fared well. Like, there hasn't really been many times you look at him play at the NHL level and go, ooh, okay, there's an issue. And it's like he said, like, now people are seeing that I have good offensive game, so they're pointing at my defensive game needing work. And, you know, he's not here for that. Like, he's not having that. And I, I like that about him. And again, like, what about his NHL games that we've seen from him have looked bad? Like, I couldn't find anything personally when I was watching this guy play. Like, I was saying, like, no, this guy can compete. This guy should have a roster spot. Like, it's kind of kind of sad that nobody got hurt this year. <laughs> that he didn't get that chance at the NHL level to show people what he can do. Because, again, like... He's played well anytime we've seen him at the NHL level. And obviously he was phenomenal at the AHL level. So, I mean, man, like for a team that suffers with injuries every single year, the one year we really like could maybe have enough depth to maybe not completely fall off if a right-handed defenseman went down. You know, we definitely couldn't in past years. I'll tell you that much. Like the one year that we maybe have enough depth there's no injuries to the right side of the that blue is line. like so, I mean it's the ultimate Canuck situation you know like totally. look at this right shot defenseman who is ripping up the minor leagues right now we want to we want him to play as much as possible this is the year where like the first time I can remember from watching the Canucks that a guy on the right side hasn't gotten injured I mean we've had Chris Tanev on this team for a long time and he <laughs> seems to get injured every year except for this year which happened to be a contract year for Tanev and a year where Brogan Rafferty was knocking at the door it just it's such a Canucks situation like I don't know you just have to smile and like like you can't do anything but smile for situations like this totally totally okay so number three is obviously Jet Wu right Jet Wu, um, yeah, I'd, I'd put Jet Wu, man, I'd put Jet Wu above Yolevi just because I, I'm so worried about Yolevi being able to defend at the NHL level due to his injuries, I think, and I don't think that that worries me as much about Jet Wu because I think that the thing Jet Wu is going to be good at at the NHL level or the AHL level next year is defending, like, he's not going to put out the big numbers, but it wouldn't shock me to see him, you know, start as the third pair in Utica next year. Uh, and end up having to work his way up. And I think that he has the potential to do that next year. But a lot of people are kind of, you know, just looking at this roster. And this is something that Corey and I talked about in the full uh, hour-long conversation we had. But, you know, I don't expect Jet Wu to jump right in and be Olya Levy's partner right off the bat in in Utica next season. I think he's going to start pretty low in the depth chart, especially if guys like Chatfield are back and Breezewell are back and Sautner are back. Like, they're going to have a decent defense core next year uh, if they do get a lot of these players back, especially for the AHL. And I think Jet Wu's going to have to work his way up, which is a good thing, right? Like, you want him to have kind of the Bo Horvat experience of coming in uh, to a professional league and having to work his way up and then him doing that. And I think that's a great spot to put Jet Wu in because he's the type of guy and the type of player that can do that. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Again, like, again, I haven't seen much of the Hitman play, and I know you watched him play right at the Langley Event Center when he was in town against the Giants, so you've seen more of him than I have, which is really the case with most of these prospects, but Chris, who you got next on the list? Yeah, I think Olio Levy's there uh, at four. You know, I like, I think that Yolevi, this, this lockout, this is something Corey said actually as well, the lockout or sorry, not the lockout, the shutdown of the league is, <laughs> man, I'm getting going crazy here, but uh, the, the shutdown of the league is is very beneficial for a guy like Olya Levy who gets a time, gets this extra time to go back, think about next season and try and work his way with a good offseason to be 100% ready, bigger and stronger and ready to take on this year. 
Um, like I said, there's a lot of positives from Yolevi, but earlier I was talking about some of these giveaways that he has. And, you know, if Yolevi is supposed to be this, uh, you know, intelligent defenseman that you're so confident in that his intelligence is going to be the thing that carries him to the NHL, like, I don't know. Maybe there's just part of his body that was letting him down on a lot of these giveaways, but you're going to see in the article that's going to come up here in the next couple weeks here for Canucks Army, there's there's a lot of bad uh, in his season. And, I mean, the injuries kept him out of some game action this year. I would have liked to see him play in a lot of games, but there's a lot of positives too. Like, he, he definitely took some huge steps as in defending. I think that in certain spots when he's in the penalty kill, he was great at blocking shots this year. He's an absolute machine at blocking shots on the penalty kill. He was getting first... Uh, first unit time with the PK unit, but when speed players came down on him and he had to pivot quickly and, and push off to, you know, get the angle on players, like, man, I could just imagine, like, at the HL level, if Justin Bailey was coming down the wing on him, he, he probably wouldn't stand a chance, and that's just what scared me. I think I saw somebody tweeting about you that, that you know, Triamkin could play the right side, and you'll levy. It's going to be Triamkin and you'll levy as the third pairing next year. Could you imagine Connor McDavid coming down the wing on Triamkin and you'll levy? It would be an absolute clown show. It'd be ridiculous to watch. Like they, he would skate <laughs> circles around both and then have time to get to the net before he could get defended. Like it's there's a lot to work on for Yolevi if he wants to be an NHL defender. And the scary thing is, like maybe he would have had a better opportunity if he was healthy. He definitely would have. But if if the health is still going to be holding him back, like it did last year when it came to defending, then then I like I need to see another full year in the AHL from Yolevi or at least push a good amount through the half of the year that we see from him before he can even start being thought about as a call-up to the NHL level. And that's that brings me back to the AHL. If there's no AHL season, that's going to hurt Yalevi big time. Like, I don't know where he goes or how he can develop, but if there's no AHL next year, like uh, some of the rumors are that's out there, that's going to hurt a lot of these Canucks prospects, I think. Totally. And, man, like, I don't know if you want to continue the list, but I just want to pause for a second and kind of jump in here and kind of talk about something. When people throw out these pairings of Yolevi, Triampkin, like, four years ago, three years ago, hell yeah, give me that pairing. Inject it into my veins. Put the young prospects in. Well, yeah, in, when you were projecting play. it, or even, like, like three years ago, and you're like, oh, what does the defense pairing look like in three years? Then I totally get what you're saying. Totally, but even even then, like it, when it comes to young prospects, when you're a shit team, sorry, I swore. When you're a bad <laughs> team, you put in those young prospects. Look at Detroit, like you tank, okay? Like the Canucks didn't have a great team. Yeah. Like I would have loved to have seen them go for that route. Like put in the young guys, see what you got in these guys, give them a shot, like give them a shot. But now the focus is changing. You have guys like Quinn Hughes, you have guys like Patterson. Horvat, Besser, these guys, JT Miller, like, this is a team that needs to focus on being competitive and competing for the Stanley Cup. They were a bubble team this year, and everything went basically perfectly for this team this year. I don't think the mentality should be, let's take a step back from the weakest point of the team, which was the blue line, let's make them a little bit worse and just see what happens. Are you kidding me? Like, that can't be the focus. Canucks fans, you need to expect better. You need to hope that this team's focus is on improving now. This is what you deserve. Don't sell yourselves short. Like, the team needs to get better. Everybody knows that. So don't throw out those pairings of Yolevi and Triamkin. Let's inject the youth into this lineup. Like, Put the good youth in. Go to acquire more good young players. Sure, acquire them. 
They're not there yet. They're just not there. And there's no point in putting in a Triamkin and a Yolevi if you're trying to win games. If you're trying to lose games and you're okay with getting a good draft position, sure, give them a shot. Let them develop at the NHL level. Who cares? But these guys are not the guys that are going to improve this defense corps. They're going to do the exact opposite to this defense corps. So... I, I don't know. You you go on to the next prospect. I'm done. No, for a I sec. just yeah. I think that what you mentioned is like, listen. Like, there's a lot of knocks against them, but that's what we're gathering with our information and what we're hearing from other people. I know that a lot of the stuff that I'm talking about with Triamkin and Yolevi is the stuff that I've seen, and I do think that there's potential still in both of those players. And I think you do too. But what we need to do now is, you know, when you draft a player and they become part of your organization and then they play a couple games or, you know, they jump into the AHL or they go overseas and they continue to progress, like, you're like, okay, following, you're like, yes, I'm very high on these guys still, but both of Oleo Levy and Triamkin have taken big steps back. That's what we're talking about. Because if it was a prospect that was continuing to grow every single season, like a Jack Rathbone or a guy that even like Ashton Sautner and Guillaume Brisebois, like they've gotten better every single year that they've been playing, whether it be rounding out their game defensively, contributing <clears throat> on different parts of the ice or anything, like these guys have been improving and having a steady curve upwards, you know? The problem with, with Yolevi and Triamkin is they've flattened the curve like we've been trying to do in BC for the last few months, <laughs> and like they're at the point right now where, you know, you want to see them continue to go up. But they're at a point where it's flattening a little bit, and it's kind of it's like it's decision time for these guys, right? Like, are we going to keep continuing to think that these guys are going to be prospects and going to be contributors on the Vancouver Canucks and not? Because Yolevi, I think, uh, like he's in a different stratosphere than than Triamkin for me, because I still think that the injuries are the only thing that's held him back. Uh, I think that some of the some of the things that we see from him in the defensive zone are because of that injury or because he's not been able to consistently be used to his body at that time. So. I think that it's different between him and Triamkin, but Triamkin doesn't have an excuse for me, uh, to be honest. And I just think that, you know, it's decision time on these guys. And I, I just like it. I'm in such a prove me wrong situation that that's what I need to see from these guys. Because I just, I, the information that I've gathered is, is kind of starting to knock big time against Triamkin. And it is starting to flatten a little bit with the Ole Olevi. Here's the thing that I want to clarify. Ole Olevi's ceiling is miles higher than Triamkin's. Okay. Like, I'm I can't I can't stress this enough. Olio Levy's problems have been injuries. Triamkin's problems have been himself, okay? He booked it once the Canucks deployed him incorrectly. You know, give him that, sure. He booked it to Russia and he hated his situation and his coach didn't trust him and all this stuff. And then he goes to Russia, is named captain, gets stripped of the captaincy. This is a guy like Satyar Shah said yesterday on our show on Patreon. If you're finding problems everywhere you're going. Maybe the teams that you're playing for aren't the issues. Maybe it's you. Again, yeah. Yulevi's problem is injuries. Triampkin's problems is himself. Like, I, I can't stress that enough. Like, I'm not trying to put Yulevi and Triampkin on the same level because that's just not fair. Yulevi's yeah, younger. Agree. Again, Injury problems, like you I think, I, I just I need to clarify that too. I, that's kind of what I sounded like I was saying when they were both kind of at the point of flattening the curve. But you know, like Triampkin's curve was flattened a, a year ago, you know, and this year is kind yeah. of where it's dropped. Yolevi is at a point right now where the curve is starting to be flattened, and I think that he's got to either this is the time to go up or go down for Yolevi. Like it's you know we can't keep saying this every single training camp of like, well, if he comes in healthy and works his way, like he should get an opportunity to be the first call up, you know. Guillaume Brisebois is getting called up. Jalen Chatfield's getting called up. Ashton Sautner's getting called up. 
Yo Levy's being passed on still, right? And that's the only thing. Like, he needs to be able to put himself in a situation where he is the guy to be the first one being called up from the Utica Comets, and he just hasn't done that so far, and he didn't do that this year at all. Yeah, totally. I, I, like, I'll say it again. We're done talking about Triumphkin. Like, let's just try not to say that name for the rest of this show. Like, Deal. Who's next on your prospect list, Chris? <laughs> uh, for defensemen, are we sticking just with defensemen? Yeah, I mean, I don't know much about the defensive prospects that you're about to mention because I know okay. like, now it's getting to like the Breezebois, the Sautners, yep. and all them. Like, um, I think Breezebois is going to be next, right? Yeah, I'd probably put Breezebois next. I mean, it's not... You know, Breezebois is a guy that might be able to hop up and play. He had some great plays this year in Utica. But like, I'm, I'm just going to bundle in these these three players as the next three because I think that uh, Breezebois, Ashton Sautner... Ashton Sautner is a little bit older, but he's working his way into the spot of being that guy that you can call up if you really need a seventh defenseman in a pinch. I think he's at that level right now with his skill. Um, if he's able to stay healthy, um, because he did miss a few games, so did Breezebois as well. But I think that those two guys are both kind of at that spot where I'm comfortable with them being called up if you need a guy to play one or two games for you in a pinch at the NHL level or just to come up and be an extra guy in the press box for a couple games. Like, I'm comfortable with both those guys. You know, I'm not comfortable saying that Breezebois is going to be the sixth defenseman at the start of tra- after training camp. He's going to be a guy who makes the NHL roster and should play, you know, 60 plus games. Like I'm not confident in both of those guys in that situation. Um, but I'm comfortable with both those players being, being close to being NHL and possibly if we, if it's forced into action, I'm, I'm comfortable with those two. And then the other guy that I would kind of lump in with that group is Tony Utenen. Um, incredible leadership from this kid. He's been a leader everywhere that he goes. Um, he's going to be going back to Tapara in the Liga next year in the Finnish league. Um, I think that he's, you know, he, he didn't play a ton of minutes. Like he got some opportunities to play third pairing a little bit, but also like because of some of the ways that these teams shape out over in Europe, he was a guy who was used as like a seventh defenseman a lot. Um, so next year is going to be pretty telling on him. Uh, everybody loves Uten and he's a guy who's been able to lead Finland through some great games, obviously scored the huge goal against Canada and Mikey DiPietro to win it for them. Like he's, he's a clutch performer. Uh, they love him in Finland. He just didn't really get a ton of games this year. Uh, or he played in 32 games, but he just didn't get a ton of minutes. So uh, I've seen him play. I like his game, but you know, there's there's times where um, he just doesn't get the opportunity. He's still so young. He's a guy that's young and playing in the Liga, which is exciting. Maybe he gets more minutes next year. Uh, if he can get to top four uh, in the Finnish Liga, then I'll start having a real conversation about him. But until then, he's he's an interesting prospect, and I love the uh, the attitude that he kind of brings to hockey. And I think, you know, talking about those Utica guys, I think it's a great time to jump to riding the bus with Corey Hergott. So we'll do that. And on the other side, we're going to talk about Jake Vertanen and we're going to talk about the bottom six. So here is riding the bus with Corey Hergott. McEwen into the goal and he scores! What a play by Zach McEwen who draws the Comets to within one. A little shimmy shake. Thank you. 
Alright guys, joining us now, it's time for the Riding the Bus segment here with Corey Hergott, fresh off of an article on Canucks.com. Uh, and Corey, we just spoke for an hour as well on the Patreon. I don't know if we're going to go that long here on the hit, uh, but if people haven't checked that out, we gave that to all of our $1.69 supporters. Was there anything that we missed in that conversation, do you think? Uh, I'm Talk not too while. sure. I think we, I think we, uh, I think things were covered pretty well. Yeah, most definitely. And you got to cover the whole team as well for Canucks.com. Uh, from from top to bottom, you started with Zach McEwen and uh, and Quads and I were going to laugh about it here in the segment after. You snuck in the big fella in the article as well. Absolutely, he was <laughs> part of uh, part of one of the good things that happened this year in Utica was, was him uh, graduating to the NHL. So uh, he's my boy. I had to get him in there. Uh, I got all the love in the world for that guy. So uh, he was definitely going to be part of the uh, part of that article. Right, and you know some of the names that we saw in there. You know, Olia Levy's obviously going to be there. Brogan Rafferty's going to be there. Justin Bailey's going to be there. But I think a lot of people might be surprised a little bit to see Guillaume Brisebois's name in there. Do you want to maybe just touch on the season that he had a little bit and some of the positives? Yeah, I think uh, I think Breezebois took decent steps again this year. I, I think a lot of uh, what Brogan Rafferty was able to get uh, get accomplished in the first half of the year had a lot to do with the fact that he was paired pretty much exclusively with Breezebois. And uh, you know, Guillaume's got a pretty steady defensive game, and I think that allowed uh, allowed Rafferty to kind of explore more uh, more of those offensive opportunities without having to kind of stress out about it quite as much if maybe he was paired with somebody who was maybe a little bit uh uh more exciting back there if that's the yeah. way you want to put it you know um but I, I saw some nice things from him i'd like to see breezebois shoot the puck a little bit more uh he did see a little bit of time on the power play this year not a lot but he can get some shots through he's got a really nice release on his shot when he uh, when he gets a minute or, or a second or two to uh, get set up uh, he had probably one of the nicest looking goals uh, this season out of a Comets player with an absolute top shelf uh, laser beam. So uh, he's, uh, you know, he, he did well on that side of things. He was on pace for a career year if the season hadn't have finished prematurely. Mm-hmm. Uh, he skates well. Uh, he's a guy that I think could maybe, uh, you know, he's he's got decent size to him. So I think he could maybe use his body a little bit more, be a little bit more physical uh, in the corners. But uh, you know, he's a guy that. Uh, you know, took on another big role on the power play, or sorry, the penalty kill again this year. Uh, eight eight minutes on there, blocked a ton of shots. Um, he's just a, a steady, reliable guy uh, for the Comets, and I think that's uh, that's a player that, that the team has some time for. They've had him called up to the big club. He's played eight games with them. Uh, I fully expect to see him back. He's a restricted free agent or pending restricted free agent, I suppose. And uh, yeah, he's a guy that I, uh, I I like watching him play. I think uh, I think he's got room to grow still in his game. Uh, like I say, I think he could shoot the puck a little bit more because I think he's got a a little bit more offense in his game than what he's been able to show so far. And and uh, you know, a little bit more physicality wouldn't hurt either. Would he be one of the guys? Because uh, you know, we're kind of looking at it like Brogan Rafferty is going to graduate to the NHL. Olia Levy's probably going to be the guy getting that first power play unit. Would Breezeball be one of the guys for the second unit, do you think, as the power play guy or a quarterback guy, I guess, on that unit? Well, it'll be interesting to see which way they go with that. I think Mitch Elliott will probably get a pretty good look on the power play on, on either the first or the second unit. He's he's a guy that, uh, you know, his two goals this year for the Comets uh, were both power play goals. He's got a knack for getting shots through from the point. Uh, they're not always big bombs, but uh, he, he can sneak them through. So I, I think that's a guy that'll probably get some power play time on the back end. Uh, I think Breezeball might see a bit of time there if, if the coaching staff kind of wants to give him 
you know, a little bit more rope on that end of things. Um, Ashton Saunders probably got the uh, the hardest shot on the team next to Boucher. Yeah. Uh, that that's uh, that's something that Cole Lind uh, Cole Lind mentioned to me. So uh, maybe maybe Saunders a guy that gets a look as as a guy that can maybe get some pucks through. Uh, but I think it's uh, it's going to be Yule Levy for sure on on that first unit, and it'll be uh, everybody else kind of fighting to see who who shows the best. I think you know there's a possibility Jet Wu if he's uh, if he's on the team, maybe he's there too. Right, and I think the, the conversation that Quads and I had on this episode as well was uh, a little bit about Jet Wu and how we thought he's going to play out. And, and I know you and me have had like a similar conversation about this, and we touched on it a little bit uh, in our long uh, Patreon episode, but. Does like Jet Wu is, isn't going to come in here and be the first pairing guy eating up minutes in Utica next year? Like I, I'm in the camp of him coming in, possibly being on that third pairing, having to work his way up. But I think that's the the kind of challenge that a kid like Jet Wu kind of wants, and I think he he kind of should be put into that position a little bit. Like we we touched on Bo Horvat and the way that he was brought up as a fourth line guy and had to work his way up the lineup, but because of his work ethic, it, it happened and it worked for him. And I was wondering, do you think that's going to be the same thing with Jet Wu? Like, is he going to be a bottom pairing guy? Do you think to start the year next year? I think it's probably the case. I think it's going to really depend on on who shows how well at camp. I, I think that's going to be a big part of it because that right side, you know, they're going to have Jalen Chatfield back. I'm I'm fairly certain of that. He's a, a pending restricted free agent, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure he's going to be back with the team. Yeah. So you'll have him on the right side. You'll have Wu there. You'll have uh, Mitch Elliott there. Um, I'm guessing that uh, Dylan Blue just will be back as well. Hmm. Um, so there, there's going to be some some battles there on that right side. Ashton Sautner or Guillaume Brisebois could easily slip over to that side as well if they want to, you know, get more ice time for Josh Tevez on the on the left. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see how how all of that plays out. I think we will probably uh, the thing with with uh, Trent Cole. I mean, he's a former defender. He's he's he played defense his whole career, and uh, so he's got a pretty good handle on uh, on a guy on the back end there. If, if a guy. If he kind of sees something in a player, I think as a defenseman that he can maybe give him a little bit more rope. He's been more a little bit more prone to do that. Mm. I mean, uh, first his first year coaching the team, Jalen Chatfield and Guillaume Brisebois were raw rookies, and both of them were killing penalties and eating minutes fairly quickly for him because they were able to uh, be put in those positions and succeed. Uh, last year, um, sorry, the, the next season we saw Ole Olevi come in and he was right away, he was as a rookie on the top power play unit and getting a lot of minutes and, you know, until he got injured. And then this past season, again, Brogan Rafferty and Ole Olevi, rookies, both of them, uh, yeah. and they both got a ton of minutes and they both got put in a lot of positions to succeed. So I think, uh, I think if Jet Wu can come into camp and impress and, and show the coaching staff that he's, uh, he's got that, uh, do what I have to do to uh, to make my game better mentality that I think he's going to get uh, a similar kind of uh, similar sort of rope from the coaching staff. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that Trent Cole is a defenseman, and then we see we know that Robert Esch was a goalie. It's it's a surprise that this team's strength was uh, was kind of offense this year because like it seems like they got a lot of defensive guys uh, in the upper management area. the The final thing I wanted to ask about here was was Ole Olevi. We've touched on him a little bit. Um, we kind of talked about it in the in the Patreon episode as well. There was parts of his season that was successful, but as a whole, I don't think that we saw the step that he that, that a lot of Canucks fans wanted to see out of him. 
You know, like, he wasn't able to stay 100% healthy throughout the year. He didn't get to play as many games as a guy like Brogan Rafferty or Cole Lind, you know, some of these prospects that we're excited for. But we did see him take a huge step uh, in the penalty-killing realm, for sure. And, you know, that's a spot where he's going to have to be good if he wants to make it on the NHL team. So for next year, with this extended time, and Ole Olevi coming back, we kind of touched on it, like, we were talking about Triamkin and Olevi, and we said, like, as a progression from a, from a prospect... It's almost like the opposite of the coronavirus flattening the curve, right? Like, they've gotten to a point right now where the curve's almost flat with a guy like Olya Levy, and he has the opportunity to keep growing or drop down. What are you going to have to see next year from him, and what kind of role is he going to have to play to keep, like, growing that rate, I guess, and keeping that uh, that bar going up as a prospect? Well, staying healthy is first and foremost. Uh, I th- I think, uh, you know, Yule Levy would have had successful, his first two seasons here would have been successful in the American League had he been healthy. Yeah. I think uh, I think the fact that he had those uh, those injury issues and, and nagging, uh, you know, nagging injuries all this, like this entire time that he's been a, a pro in North America, I think that, that plays a lot into the fact uh, that maybe he's not exactly where people want him to be yet, but... I, th- I I see a defenseman there. I see a player that's probably going to be in the NHL and being, uh, you know, a second pairing guy that can be counted on in his own end. Um, so for this year, staying healthy is going to be paramount for him. Uh, I'd like to see him, you know, progress a little bit offensively. Uh, you know, if he's going to be the guy getting those power play minutes, he's going to need to take advantage of that and put up more points. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had a decent offensive season this year. He was a little over half a point a game. Uh, so that's not terrible. Um, but I think that's a guy that that we can we can expect more from him this this season because he's uh, like I said in the, in our Patreon piece there, uh, you know he's a guy that he's going to have a full off season of being healthy and, and being able to train his body and, and I think that's going to make a huge difference for him. He's got the he's got the head for the game and I think that goes a long way if he can just keep his body healthy. Yeah, completely agree. And we touched on it a little bit because there's there's been rumors out there that, you know, the AHL might not be back next year if it's due to this COVID thing. And I know that it's it's obviously a horrible thing to talk about, especially for a guy like you. And when we were kind of touching on about the prospects too, like if, if these guys aren't able to play in the AHL, it's a huge step back for them as well because the AHL is, you know, one step away from the NHL. Have, have you heard much about this? Like have you seen these rumors out here about the AHL struggling to come back next year? I have. I've even seen some, uh, some uh, words from – the outgoing uh, AHL president uh, Dave Andrews saying something along the lines of uh, some of the uh, the smaller market teams might not be able to uh, to play next year, but the other teams will. So they, you know they might end up playing a, instead of having a thirty one team uh, league next year, it might end up being like a you know a twenty two league team or something like that, and how the other those other teams, the players on those other teams are going to get ice time. Uh, I don't know how that works out. Jeez. It's going to be interesting to see how this happens because, uh, you know, do, do the Canucks send guys overseas if that's an option, you know, yeah. uh, to, to get ice time for them? It's, it, it's, uh, it's definitely one of the things that's going to come out of this that's that's something that we really need to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely something that's going to progress. And I saw you tweeting about it this morning, I think, a little bit. And uh, we'll definitely have to talk about this more next week and maybe how it might affect some of the prospects. But for people that haven't tuned in, uh, if you're not a Patreon subscriber, $1.69 will get you right in there. We had a great conversation. I think we, you know, like I mentioned, how we kind of started this. Did we miss anything? I don't think we did. We we kind of covered everything for the Utica comments in that interview. Uh, so we appreciate you for that. And if you guys haven't checked it out yet, uh, it's on Canucks.com. Corey's most recent wrap-up of the Utica comments, so go and check that out. And what else is coming up with you, Corey? 
Uh, still, the the Clifford A. Fleck piece is going to be uh, wrapped up and put out sometime, probably midweek next week or late in the week next week. And I'm just digging into breaking down uh, player by player uh, for the season, uh, for this past season for the Comets. So we'll go through and kind of talk about what went well, what didn't go so well for each player. I'm going to try to do, uh, instead of having a big, long piece, uh, trying to jam everybody into one, I might just do, uh, you know, a player by player uh, scenario and and keep it uh, maybe not quite as as, uh, wordy for for everybody that's got to read it. Yeah, well, that sounds good, Corey. I know I've, I've been watching a lot of AHL hockey lately. I'm doing working on the Olio Levy piece uh, right now. It's going to be a deep dive into him, similar to what I did with Rafferty. Uh, and I can tell you right now, watching Rafferty uh, shift or shift was a lot more fun. Uh, I've seen a lot more giveaways from Yale Levy, but I'll get to that in the article, <laughs> uh, and we'll see how that kind of comes out. So thanks for doing this, Corey, and uh, we'll chat again next week. Hopefully not about some bad news about the AHL, though. I hope not. Yeah, hopefully it's uh, everything's uh, better news going forward for sure. Yeah, all right. Well, thanks for doing this, Corey. We'll chat again next week, man. Thanks again, Chris. And a huge thank you to Corey Hergott for another segment of Riding the Bus. Going to be working hard to get him back at Canucks Army as soon as the pandemic kind of settles a bit and we have a little more clarity on what's going on with the AHL. We're going to be getting Corey back. That's on my to-do list as managing Good. editor, Chris. He's coming Good. back. He's coming back. And we just saw the uh, article that Corey released, and we talked about it in the conversation a little bit uh, with the Canucks.com. So always good to see Corey Hergott's name on a Canucks.com article. He dropped uh, the big fella in that article on Canucks.com. Well, would you expect awesome. any less from Corey Hergott, though? <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. I, I was just like, no way he did that. And they totally like, they let it fly. It was awesome. I was yeah, like, that's hell awesome. yeah, Corey. Just like plug your nicknames that you give the players. Like He should have just referred to every player with the nicknames he comes up with. Yeah, and oh. we know uh, from being in private DMs with Corey, Corey's always working on nicknames for those Comets players. We know that. He's got oh, some yeah. good ones, but he, he knows this, and I'm hoping, I hope he's listening to this. He knows that some of them are major flops, though, too. He <laughs> sent some questionable nicknames over, but he's always, he's done a great job with those nicknames, I think, so far. But he knows. He knows that he's got some, some crappy ones, too. <laughs> Speaking of crafty and things that Corey's done, have you seen those guitar racks he's building? Like Hell those yeah, are dude. awesome. Like he he's like selling them now. I think so. Yeah, yeah. If you want a guitar rack, message Corey because he's making like he's making them out of wood. Like they're absolutely. <laughs> he's beautiful. getting requests for them right now already. I don't know if I can tell who's been requesting them, but um, some uh, he's been working on one right now, which is a cool story. Maybe he'll tell that one day when it's finished. Yeah, totally. Oh my gosh. Wow. Okay, anyways, we got to continue the series that we've been doing here. Kind of closing out the show, we've been talking about the RFAs and the UFAs of the Canucks and what we would do with them, what their situations are looking like, kind of just kind of recapping their year. And the next guy on our list, we've done Josh Levo. I think we did Tyler Toffoli as well last week. Yep. Uh, this week, it's Jake Vertanen. So, Chris, before I make everybody lose their minds with my <laughs> opinion, you, uh, you started off. Okay, yeah, Jake Vertanen is um, definitely due for a pay raise after the season that he just had. You know, 18 goals, 18 assists, 11 of them first assists. That's a good sign from him. He's always been a guy who kind of uh, doesn't really get a lot of second assists, so he doesn't get the padded stats like Connor McDavid does. Not a big deal. Uh, but I think, like, Jake Vertanen obviously took a huge step. He was going to score 20 goals this year. He played in all 69 games. A nice season for him, staying healthy. I think that what, you know, we wanted to see was 20 goals. That was something that we've been hoping for for the longest time with Jake Vertanen since they, they brought him in as an 18-year-old rookie in 2015. Like, we just want to see Jake get to 20. That's the ultimate goal, it seems like, for Jake Vertanen. And he would have done it this year. I think he could have could have been an impactful player for this team in the playoffs. That's where I think he's going to be his best. And um, 
he had a high shooting percentage this year. Like that's that's definitely something that needs to be out there. It was twelve percent. Um, took a little bit less shots this year than he did in the past. So I think that he's finding a balance of going to the net a little bit more. It's something I wrote about earlier this year with Canucks Army. Like he was improving in a lot of aspects. He was getting a lot more shots off from in tight towards the goaltender. He was using his size a little bit more, but there definitely is parts from his game that uh, they haven't improved a ton to maybe the level that people are expecting or people are tweeting about when they tweet about how much they love Jake Vertanen. Um, so I think that there's there's still room to grow for him, which is good because he's still a young player. A lot of people seem to forget that he's, what, 23 years old? Like, he's a young player on this team and could be a valuable piece moving forward. But he's no Josh Levo, I think is what you're about to say. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, okay. Before everybody loses their mind at this, the focus of the Canucks needs to be improving. Okay, what are their weaknesses? It's the blue line. And then you could say it's the bottom six. Okay, so now let's look at that. Having Jake Vertanen in your bottom six is awesome. But we also have to look at how the Canucks are going to repair that blue line. and How they're going to acquire better defensemen. It's likely going to have to happen through a trade. Okay, now let's look at who the Canucks have as potential assets that they could pair in a trade. Again, Tanner Pearson. Satyar Shaw brought him up yesterday. He's on an expiring deal. Maybe the Canucks look to flip him and try and get a defenseman. Again, is Tanner Pearson, because of that expiring deal, I don't think he's enough to get you anyone really of substance. I think you're going to have to pair him with a maybe a late-round pick, with something else. You're gonna, it, Tanner Pearson alone isn't going to get you much that's going to really improve that blue line. Mm-hmm. So let's look at the next guy. Again, like, Josh Levo's not under contract, but again, like... If he was under contract and he was stayed healthy and people saw what he could was actually doing when he was healthy and there was more of a spotlight put on him, then yeah, he could be a trade chip potentially. But right now, I think it really boils down to Tanner Pearson and the rights to Jake Vertanen. So I know everybody freaks out when you say trade Jake, but this is a guy who looked like he was about to hit 20 goals this year. Do you think he's going to grow that much more? Like, I'm, I'm asking you, the listener. I'm not saying, like, oh, you're dumb if you think this. I'm asking you if you really think that, because I'm not so sure. I'm not willing to bet that Jake Vertanen's going to have much more growing room. I don't know what his ceiling is, is what I'm trying to say. Like, I don't think there's a ton more room for Jake Vertanen to grow. Again, yeah. having him on a third line as what he is right now... 100% you take that. That is so useful to have on a team. Again, let's make sure it's clear the Canucks' focus is on contending. Having a Jake Vertanen for, during a playoff push, like, that is someone you want on your team. So you're not rushing to trade this guy. Again, I'm only saying you trade Jake not because he sucks. I'm saying you trade Jake because he's good enough to maybe get you something of substance back that can really help your team on the back end, which is where the most immediate need is right now. So again, I'm not saying trade Jake because he sucks, Levo's better. I'm saying Levo's kind of a similar player, who could probably hit that 20-goal mark if he's given a significant role in playing on a third line all season long, and he's somebody that Travis Green trusts. Again, Jake Furtanen is a player that Travis Green does not trust. Harmon Dial outlined it pretty well on The Athletic of why Travis Green doesn't trust him. And again, like, Travis won't come out and refute those claims. Like, it's 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 basically fact that Travis Green does not trust Jake Vertanen on the defensive side of the game. He does Josh Levo. Like, he likes Josh Levo in any role. All four lines, he's put Josh Levo, and he's been comfortable yeah. with him. So, well, again, I... like, you trade... Sorry, I keep cutting you off. No, that's fine. <laughs> Trading a Tanner Pearson or a Jake Vertanen, those are the guys with the most 
value right now. You're not trading them because they suck. I'm not suggest. Hell, I'm not even suggesting that the Canucks should be looking to trade Jake Vertanen. Like, let him go on this playoff run that the Canucks are presumably about to have because the NHL is dead set on coming back. But more on that later. Let him see what you have in this guy. Like, let other teams see what they could potentially have in this guy. See what the offer is. Like, you. Is it time to sell high on Jake Vertanen? I'm just throwing the idea out there. I'm not going to be, you know, on September 1st or whenever the Canucks uh, manage to re-sign Jake Vertanen. You won't see me on Twitter being like, oh, they should have traded him. Like, no, that will not be what you see from me. I like Jake Vertanen. I'm not saying that he should be traded, again, because he sucks. He doesn't suck. Like, Jake Vertanen should not be traded because he sucks. It's not one of those situations where it's... You know, and I think that's the easy way to think of that when someone says that somebody should be traded. Yeah. Because we're used to hearing trade Louie, trade Brandon Sutter, trade Jay Beagle, trade all this dead weight. But no, like, those guys suck. Like, that, there's a reason <laughs> that they haven't been traded. But again, like, if you're looking at actual assets that you can move on from in order to acquire something of value back. Again, Tyler Madden didn't suck, but they traded him to get Tyler to Foley. Jake Vertanen doesn't suck. He can help them. But again, uh, is do you put more weight on a blue liner, like a good defenseman? Like you're again, Jake Vertanen alone, much like Tanner Pearson, probably isn't going to get it done. If you're looking for a solid, like the JT Miller version of the defense, like a defensive version of JT Miller, is what the Canucks are looking for right now. They're looking for a trade that they can really hit home on. They're going to have to pay a premium, which could include Jake Vertanen. They don't have any more first round picks to trade, really. So again, like. Do you look at trading Jake for Tannen? I think you do. I think you entertain the idea of trading him. I really do. Like, I think... I don't know. I mean, I think... I don't know. Like, I think you have to at least entertain the idea. You have to enter, You have to take calls on everybody. Is my yeah. that's, If I was a GM, that'd be my philosophy. That you yeah. have to take calls on everybody. You have to listen. But don't let somebody undersell you for Jake Vertanen. Like, sell high on Jake Vertanen. Like, that's all they can do. Like, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't really like the idea of coming out here and saying somebody should be traded. But I'm not saying it because I don't like Jake Vertanen. I'm saying it because he probably has the most value of any of the Canucks' movable assets. Yeah, well, he he definitely does, and you know what, what? He's definitely the most valuable. He put up 18 goals. He had better, you know, better stat line through and through. I mean, he he controlled 54 percent of the goal share. You know, his PDO was just over one, so it's not like that was a huge stroke of luck. He had a 92.7 on ice save percentage when he was on the ice, so maybe the goalie the goaltenders helped him out a little bit. But even looking at expected goals, which is something that I'm trying to learn a little bit more of, and as we kind of move into the future here, I need to start learning what expected goals works and how it actually really can affect a player. But his expected goals is on the positive side too, and this is the first year where it's been like that, aside from his rookie season, uh, where he's playing very sheltered minutes in the offensive zone. So he is improving in a lot of these games, and I think that getting him on a contract that works for the Canucks in the future is the big question, right? Like, do they sign him on a four-year deal at 2.5, or do they sign him at a two-year deal at 2.5? Because a four-year deal at 2.5 is something that I'd be interested in with Jake Vertanen. I think that the way that he can be a bottom six contributor and the way that he can bring that to the playoffs, like, you know, if he's controlling like he did this throughout the season, 54% of the goal share when he's on the ice, if he's doing that in a bottom six role, and I know that that number's a little swayed because he was obviously with Pedersen and Miller for a decent part of the season when he was getting that opportunity. Not a ton of games, but he definitely got a run with them. A couple different runs, actually. But 
if he's able to have 54% of the goal share on a third line with the Vancouver Canucks, that's exactly what you need in the playoffs, especially if he's playing with an Adam Gaudet. If that's going to be the mantra of the third line moving forward as, you know, we're going to put out these two offensive guys who can skate well, and then we're going to, you know, round it out with a Josh Levo on the left side or an Antoine Roussel on the left side or maybe a Niels Huglander or Vasily Podkolzin in a couple years on the left side. Like, that third line gets really fun after that. And I think that if you have a third line like that going into the playoffs... It's 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 something that can only benefit the team. And I do agree with you. If, if there's a spot for a defenseman to be traded across for Jake Vertanen, that's what the Canucks need to fix the most would be their defense right now. They have wingers coming through, whether they're prospects or you know going out and making trades. It's easy to trade for a winger. It's not easy to trade for a defenseman. So I think that if you are trading you know, Jake Vertanen for a defenseman, I'm in that camp. But at the same time, I... I, I wouldn't want to trade Jake just simply because I think that the ceiling is there and I don't know if Jake Vertanen's at the point yet in his career where he gets it. And, you know, it's a gamble because maybe he never mm-hmm. gets it, right? Maybe he never gets to that point of being the player that is a thousand percent committed to being the best Vancouver Canuck player he could be with no distractions off the ice. Maybe he never gets to that point, but if he does... He has all the physical skill in the world. He has a great, fast, hard shot. We saw it a ton of times this year where he probably shouldn't have beat the goaltender, but his shot is so great when he gets off the perfect one that mm. it's it's an it's a great shot when he does hit the like hit the potential of how good it can be. He flies. He's the fastest skater on this Canucks team. But even like to to counter argue that, like his hits have gone down this year. He hasn't really he hasn't had as many fights as he had in his rookie year when he dropped the glove three times in that in those fifty five games. He hasn't he hasn't had a ton of fights. He's not really getting involved like the way that you want to see him. And I think that maybe that part can can hurt you a little bit. I mean like he I think he led the team last year in hits, right? Because Del Zotto did the year before that. Uh, but last year I think he led the team in hits. Um, and this year he dropped down quite a bit, played the same amount of games, but had more than 50 less hits, uh, only 102 on the year for him. So there's parts of his game that just need to click, right? And it, it sucks talking about this so much about Jake Rattana because that's what we're, that's what we've been saying for years. Like, well, this just needs to click with Jake and then it's going to be there, you know, but that's like, I would give him another two year contract and I wouldn't trade him on that two year contract. If he's, if he's still getting a little bit better, but all those kind of essential things to make him a valuable piece, like an immovable piece on this team, if he gets to that point and everything clicks, great. But if he signs a two-year deal and, you know, he comes back to training camp next year a little bit out of shape, doesn't really do a great job of getting involved in the play like Travis Green would like, then, you know, maybe that's when I get to the point of thinking that trading Jake's a good idea. But to to your point, if, uh, if defenseman's involved in the trade and the Canucks want to do something big, uh, I think Jake Vertanen kind of has to be in that trade because he's a major piece that you can trade. Yeah, and it kind of sucks because I'm of the mindset that it's a little premature to trade him right mm-hmm. now. You know, I think... He, he showed well this year, and you hope that he can take that next step next year. Because, you know, what's his ceiling? Like, I don't think the goal scoring is anymore what people are going to be worried about. Like, he was a 20-goal scorer this year. Let's just say it like it is. He yeah. was going to be a 20-goal scorer this year. How many guys can score 20 goals? Like, you want that on your team. You want well, as many 20-goal scores as you can get. With him and Godet playing on that third line, you have the potential for two players to score 20 in your bottom six. 100%. Like, Godet has that potential because he's going to be great on the second power play unit, and Jake has that potential because his speed's going to get him so many breakaways and odd man rushes that, you know, if that chemistry develops between those two, that's a great pairing to have kind of running your third pair, and I mentioned it. What if Pod Colson's the guy that comes in and rounds out that group when he gets here? Or what Ooh, if Huglander's yeah. the guy that comes out and rounds out that group when he gets here? Then you have a top nine that's just so much fun to watch. And, like, 
I just I wouldn't give up on Jake just the way that this team is shaping up. I think Jake has a place on this team. I just if he's able to get to the next level and he's doing it on a low contract at four years, that's just amazing for Canucks fans because I I think that he's going to be somewhere you know two years at two point five maybe upwards of gets to three as like a ceiling. But if it's anything over that, then you know you start to worry me a little bit because the cap is going to be a problem here. I know uh, Stefan had a great article today on Canucks Army that dropped about looking at what the cap is like next year and. It only gets worse after next year. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, it's going to be nice to have Brandon Sutter come off the books. It's going to be nice to have uh, Louis Erickson come off the books. But Pedersen and Hughes are going to, you know, they warrant that type of money. So you're going to start to worry about the cap a little bit more into the future here. And if Jay Furtanen's making big money, that that's a little bit of a worry too. So I think that, you know, locking him up for four years out of low money right now would be great. Because I do think he has the potential to get up to 20, 25 goals. Yeah, like, I, I think you're right. Again, like... It's, it would kind of suck if they have to move on from him, but you have to understand that you can't have an affinity for these players here. Like, you have to you have to want the team to get better. You have to want the team to be able to compete for a Stanley Cup. Like, that should be the goal here. It shouldn't be to, like, let's let the hometown boy score 20 goals and have him in our lineup all the time. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I just, I don't think that the Canucks really owe Jake Furtanen anything in that regard. You know what I mean? Like, at some point, like, they have to be like, okay, this is one of our movable assets. We need to fix the blue line. We've got to pull the trigger on something. And, I mean, apparently they were pretty close to doing that last year at the draft for Tyson Berry. Apparently there was a deal in place that would have seen Jake Furtanen go to Colorado. Uh, So, I mean, are the Canucks convinced that... They shouldn't be thinking about doing a trade similar to that one year later. <clears throat> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think that he is—he's the best trade chip that they could have that they could that they could possibly move. Um, but I don't know if the value that they get back right now is worth it. So I think that this needs to be explored in a year or two. Uh, I think they re-sign him uh, in the offseason here. I think it's like I said. I think it's two years, somewhere like two point six, two point seven million dollars, and I think that's that's not a bad deal for a guy. Who could potentially score, you know, 25 goals if he's getting an opportunity in the top six or scores upwards of 20 goals if he's playing in your bottom six. Because just the way that the bottom six has changed, specifically that third line over the past couple years, is something that we've been asking for forever. I mean, this is the stuff that I was writing about every two weeks at the Canuck Way when I was there. Like, please just change what the bottom six, like, change the third line. It needs to be fixed. It seems to be in a situation where it can be fixed and even just get better because I think Vertanen has room to grow. I think Gaudet has room to grow. And I think that that left wing on that third line has room to grow, whether it be a prospect coming up. Or, you know, a Cole Lynn-type player. Maybe he's a guy that fits in there. Like, they have so many options at winger that Jake Vertanen being moved, if the trade is there, is great. And I think that if the Canucks are going to start filling up their roster with all these prospects that they have in their wingers, like, then it's moving from a power of strength. And you always want to trade from a power of strength. Um, and I think that if you have that, that's that's the move. But right now, I don't think it's an option to move Jake Vertanen. I don't think you get enough back for him. Like, yeah. it's just the trade's not out there right now. Yeah, the, you know, the more we kind of talk about it, the more I think you're right. Like, an RFA's rights aren't really that great because the team's still going to have to get a contract done. So, I mean, really, it's just adding something for a GM to do to their to-do list. That's all yeah. they're trading for. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, I think you're right. I don't think the time is now to trade him. But, mm-hmm. man, like, I think he's going to he's gonna get signed to a contract for sure before he's traded. It'll be, if he's traded, it'll be during next season 
or in the offseason after that. I think that's going to be the time that we see it, see the Canucks potentially move on from him. And again, there's that Seattle expansion draft next offseason that we're going to be talking about, I'm right. sure, in the next year, right? So what does that play into all this? And I mean, it's fun to talk about because who who would have thought that we would be talking about the Canucks' third-line winger two years ago? Like, nobody. I love it. Yeah, I, I don't think a lot of people would have thought that would have been Jake Vertanen either for the people that projected yeah, totally. him as a top six guy. But, you know, I, I could talk about Jake Vertanen for years. I think that he's such an intriguing player on this team on and off the ice of the Vancouver Canucks that, you know, I could I could keep talking about him forever. So maybe I'm a little biased because, like, I feel like I can go off for a good 20 minutes whenever I want uh, about Jake Vertanen. So keep him here. Uh, that'll help the podcast, I think, moving forward. I think that's a great place to wrap up. Do you have anything you want to add? No, I'm good. Uh, you know, continue to build the chemistry in Warzone. Uh, I think we've been doing a pretty go- pretty good job lately. Uh, that was an elite 200 IQ move that we made the other day to get uh, positioning on those guys. And, you know, like, uh, just, you know, keep on keeping on, folks. Try not to uh, get involved with too many people this weekend. Uh, you know, like, go out, see some friends if you can, but be safe about it. Uh, don't go out and, like Bonnie said, don't start hooking up with people yet. Don't go too crazy about that. And uh, I'm I'm also speaking with Aiden McDonough. Uh, as this episode drops, uh, today is Saturday, I'll be talking with Aiden McDonough and just kind of wrapping up his season with him. So that should be coming up soon on Canucks Army. And I got some behind-the-scenes stuff from the Rafferty interview coming on the Patreon. So check that out for the $1.69 tier. Wonderful. I love it. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. For Chris Faber, my name is David Guadrelli, and you have been listening to the Canucks Conversation. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.